Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Um, it's, it's, hum- it's humbling uh, to have the opportunity uh, to share with you this morning. After hearing from Brian, um, it's kind of it's hard to be here and talk to you about methodology and strategy. Um, because in comparison uh, to the, the motivation of our faith, I mean, I, I guess what, what I'm thinking about a lot after that message is if you desire to serve the Lord, like you really desire to serve the Lord, then it burns inside of you. Uh, you're going to be everything you need to be to be fruitful. Like, go preach the gospel. You know what I mean? Like, the, the methodology is, is absolutely 100% secondary uh, to what you prioritize in your heart and, um, and what motivates you. And that, that's the most important thing. And, uh, and so what we're going to talk about today is just, again, I, I, I feel very, very humbled to just sh- share with you the, uh, the methods that we are using in the college and young adult ministry uh, that we're using in our church. Uh, this is kind of a, a philosophy and a culture and a method, a form that's beginning to take root in the fellowships across our church. Uh, in other churches, Living Faith Lee Summit is employing this methodology as well as a way of reaching lost people. And so I'm going to present it to you as that. Uh, I'm going to try to convince you that, that, that maybe that some of these approaches are preferable even to maybe other approaches. Um, but uh, again, that's for you to decide and, and, and for you to use as you see fit. Um, we live in a, in a world and in a culture, obviously everybody, you know, if you're coming from other cities, other places, rural settings, urban settings, it's always a little bit different, different churches, different, different uh, communities that you minister to. Um, but, but, but here in, in our city um, and among the young people, what I see uh, commonly is that, that there's a lot of ideology in our world, maybe. Uh, there's a lot of extreme thinking. And uh, I often refer to uh, this generation as being, you know, a Wikipedia generation where, where everybody thinks that they know a lot, um, but they don't, the depth of their knowledge is very shallow, and so you have people who uh, ascribe to political views or, or, or you, know, um, you know, ideas, uh, things that they hold to, things that they're protesting, things that they, they're, they're fighting for uh, with, the, with, you know, their lives. Uh, and uh, they stand for, they promote every, around every corner. And these ideologies are actually incredibly shallow in nature. Um, they've been handed to them somewhere along the way by, by someone else who thinks that way. And then when you begin to probe and you, you begin to go deeper, um, these are actually just straw men, right? That, that a lot of the extreme thinking in our world today is very shallow and very weak, and, 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 ver- and that's the world we live in. And, and I think that the approach that we're going to present to you today, and I've I just been thinking about this, just some conversations I had with Brian this week, the, the, the method that we're going to present to you today is actually a way in which you can deconstruct people's extreme ideologies, the way that they think, the secularism in a, in a, in a post-Christian society in which we live in here in, in Kansas City. Um, letting the word of God undo the way people think. 
I guess is what I'm getting at. And I, and I don't mean to meander here in my, in my intro, but, but I really do believe that a form of evangelism where the word of God is open and, and you're just very honestly talking about what it says and you're letting God's voice be on display and, and you're letting him prove himself, it has the power to undo any way of thinking that that lost person has grown up with. It just, you know, um, I... I our world thinks that the Bible is foolish. Don't they? They think it's foolish until they open it. And they discover that it's the most profound and powerful and divine thing that exists on this earth. And I really do believe with all my heart that the Word of God has the ability to prove itself. And, and, and the question is, in terms of our approach, are Christians going to be willing uh, to invite people in, into Bible study? And I think that if we do, that it will have effect. And, and, and uh, I hope that that's evidenced today uh, as we talk to you about how we've, we've kind of used it uh, in our ministry. And so um, I, I don't really actually know how to, I'm struggling to know how to begin, but I'm going to start just with testimony. Okay, can I do that? I really love the Discovery Bible Method, and I love that our approach to Bible study here at Midtown because I believe it achieves two things. One, it's, it's evangelical, uh, which most Bible studies aren't. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and, and two, uh, I believe that it is equipping and it prepares leaders uh, for a path of growth that results in uh, church growth, but also um, people that are equipped and ready to, to plant churches. I believe that it prepares leaders for the mission. And so I want to present that to you today. And, I, and I, so four years ago, I came into the, the College of Young Adult Ministry. Uh, Dan Renault, you know, my best friend uh, for years, had, had served and, and worked at establishing a young adult ministry here at Midtown Baptist Temple. And uh, when he decided to go to Lee Summit and plant the church there, um, I somehow ended up in the college ministry. That became the next step for me. Everybody decided that for me is how it felt at first. Uh, but um, I came into the college and young adult ministry, and there was, there was a, a core of leadership that Dan had done a great job of investing in, and he did that through Bible study. And, and many of you are familiar with Bible study. You've been doing it for a long time. And some of you use Bible study um, uh, to, to just sharpen and sharpen and sharpen and sharpen. And Dan had done a great job of sharpening these young men. And we had only just begun to talk about what Discovery Bible Method. You'd already been in investing in these guys for a long time, these girls. And we were only really beginning to figure out what Discovery Bible Method uh, uh, was and how to employ it. And actually, Dan used Discovery Bible Method in some ways to help plant and establish the church in Lee Summit. And so when I came into Kaya, there was... There was um, you know, I think it was like 65 or 70 people attending the ministry, and there were four or five Bible studies, if my memory serves me right. Uh, that was four years ago, a little over four years ago now, and, um, and now there's 30 Bible studies. Um, so in four years, we've seen, and, and this is really mainly through just evangelizing, okay? This is just through bringing lost people into a Bible study context, and, and, um, and so now we've got 30 Bible studies with anywhere between 8 and, and 12 people in them, and with the intention that we continue to divide and spread out the work. And, um, 
And so I, I, guess, I think that's a testimony of what God can do using this method, okay? Um, and so I, I want to first start, there's, there's this, you, you guys are familiar with, with the idea of church planting, right? Um, and, and how a lot of the churches in our fellowship approach church planting is through establishing, you know, a Bible study in a community and then hoping that it grows. And, and so what we were trying to do in terms of the idea of sending people into communities or other places in the world, I was trying to take the idea, the concept of church planting and, and shrink it down and bring it into Kaya and employ it as a way of, of expanding Bible studies and evangelizing within our city. And so um, I want to just briefly talk about the value of this perspective and what I've seen God do just through this approach to, to our young adult ministry. And so uh, the idea, the concept of planting Bible studies, um, what is the value of this perspective? So the v- very first thing, I, th- I think they're following along with me. I don't know. I'm kind of jumping around. I'm teaching it different than I anticipated. There should be a slide there that says, what is the value of this perspective? The first thing is planting Bible studies extends your church's reach into smaller communities, neighborhoods, and workplaces. Okay? And so um, using Bible study as an evangelical outreach what it does is it takes uh, the, your church and it, and it takes it and it plants it in places that the church really can't get to. The church as a whole, the, the larger local church, can't make its way into that neighborhood as easily as a small group of individuals who are meeting with an open Bible. And so what it does is it extends the reach of your church into smaller communities. An example of this just in terms of Kaya is that, is that we've, got, um, we've got Bible studies on campuses um, I think we have something like 12 Bible studies alone just at UMKC. Uh, that's, you know, international focused and, and um, native uh, uh, Kansas City and focused Bible studies on campuses, workplaces, um, neighborhoods. And so what this allows us to do is to send kind of a microculture of our church uh, and, and allows it to be viral or to, to, to germinate in an area or a part of our city where, where we as a, a church as a whole have a harder time reaching. So that's one of the values and the benefits of approaching Bible study in terms of church planting, that same concept, that parallel. Uh, Bible study is a way of dropping missionaries into a neighborhood or campus with the knowledge that it's built to be viral. It's built to be viral. And the next thing is planning Bible studies makes owning the mission tangible and account- accountable for your church, and specifically it's ch- your church members. Okay, when we talk about evangelizing and discipling and church planning, often these ideas are really abstract, right? They seem distant. It seems like, I've, you know, for a young person, uh, it might look like, well, I've got to finish LFBI and I've got to, there's certain things I have to experience in order to get to a place well, I'm ready to be a part of a church planting team. And, and some of these ideas seem distant and vague and a little bit abstract, right? But what, what Bible study does when we approach Bible study in terms of church planting, what it does is it makes those things really tangible really fast. And so they're looking at their Bible study in terms of, with the same concepts of, of church planting. They're going to evangelize. They're going to disciple. They're going to meet people, build relationships, establish worship, establish the study of God's word, establish prayer. And they're going into these smaller areas in our community with the intention of, of making uh, the local church alive in that place. And when they get to hold on to that and it becomes theirs, maybe it's a small group of four, five, six, ten and they're going and they're doing that, suddenly they have the ability to own the mission in a very uh, explicit way. 
right? It doesn't seem foreign. It doesn't seem distant. It doesn't seem like it's led by the charge of someone, a pastor that's really busy over there. Suddenly their Bible study leader functions in a pastoral way and they're working together and they're strategizing and they're praying and they're being creative about how to reach Uh, the people that they've been sent to go reach, and it becomes alive in a unique way. So it allows them to own it in a a way that's, that's powerful. Planning Bible studies prepares growing leaders to become shepherds. Um, you know, you, you, you take your, your very best and your brightest, and you proactively send them to places where they can exercise their gifting, right? They get, a, they get an opportunity to go and to, to, you know, if you've got young men or even young women in your church um, that, that are gifted in terms of their leadership, this gives them an opportunity to go and to hone that gifting in a way that's safe, you know, where the pastor is kind of overseeing the, 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 the small groups and meeting with them. I mean, some of the best leadership development that I get to do is pouring into my Bible study leaders. And so just the structure of my ministry is, is, um, is very much the leaders of, of Kaya, the college and young adult ministry, are the people who are the Bible studies uh, leaders. That's who the leaders are. And so I spend maybe 85, 90% of my time pouring my energy into training them And then they disseminate that training to the people in their small group, okay? And so they're doing the training, and they've got a right-hand man or woman that they're investing in, and they're training that person. And, and do you see how this is kind of paralleling the way we understand discipleship, but it makes it in a, in a, in a microcosm of that uh, through the Bible study. Planting Bible studies prepares people to plant churches, which is obviously one of the goals that we have as a fellowship is to plant churches all over the world. And so what better way of preparing people to do that than to allow them to be evangelical and to disciple and to invest and to, to have, get a handle on God's word and to teach through the context of the Bible study in their community. And, and, and so maybe, I'm, I'm, maybe what I'm saying just seems really obvious. I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you this. I can see young leaders that are, that are future team members of church plants. I see them being established in a way that's profound and beyond, beyond their age, I guess, is the way that I would maybe say, like, like I'm seeing 19, 20, 21, 22-year-olds who because of Bible study, not because of Sunday morning preaching or, or other things, but because of what Bible study has instilled in them, these young people are prepared and mature enough to go and be a part of works that, that on paper are beyond their, their age in terms of maturity level, right? Yeah? Are you guys with me? You guys, are you, if you're devastated by what Brian Clark shared this morning and you're like a mess, a puddle, uh, I get that, I'm with you. Um, but but um, so this is, this is the way we've approached Bible study and it's worked. Okay, that's the only thing I can say is that it, it's worked. I believe it's biblical. I believe it looks like It holds to the values and the philosophies that we own as a, as a fellowship of churches, and, um, and, it, and it works. So that's, all, that's what I got, okay? So that's the, the way we're approaching it, and I really do believe, you know, I'm not going to personally be satisfied until we have hundreds of Bible studies just coming out of the college and young adult ministry. So that might seem outlandish, 
Um, but the way that we've seen it grow in terms of it, it, like an exponential quality, um, I have no reason to believe that there can't be 100 young adult Bible studies in our city. I don't, I don't have any reason to believe that. In fact, one of the very simple goals is we, we have five men's Bible studies uh, uh, you know, uh, that aren't international student focused on campus right now at UMKC. And I really hope to have that double shortly. I hope there's 10 men's Bible studies because I want to not only have those Bible studies in the, in the evenings, but also in the morning as well. Um, and, when, and when campus opens up, I'm really hoping to see that happen. And I believe it will. And um, I believe that this is effective. And so uh, I, believe, I, I believe I've sold that enough to you. Uh, you can marinate on that. But, but the first thing I need to, to, to say before I, I talk about the actual approach to the Discovery Bible Method, which is what I think people kind of want anyway, is just to know how to do it. Uh, but before I get there, I, I want to ask the question, what does it mean when we, when we say Bible study? What do we mean when we say that? Because a lot of people have been about, I mean, Dan mentioned all the different types of Bible studies that he was a part of uh, yesterday. What does it really mean when we, when we say Bible study? Um, and the Christian world is overrun with imitation Bible study. I mean, and some of them are pretty overt about it at this point. They don't even call what they used to call Bible study. They don't call it that anymore. They call it small group, uh, which is fine. Okay, that's, you know, it is a small group, I guess. Um, um, maybe, they, maybe they call it community groups or cell teams or whatever. There's like a million names for this. Uh, we like to stick with Bible study because, well, we like to study the Bible, and that's the point. And so um, these gatherings, they, they often masquerade as cr being Christ-centered, and they're not because they're not founded on the Word of God. Um, and so, you know, people discussing, a lot of these Bible studies have people that are discussing their view of a passage, right? So they come and they gather together, and, and, and they might have the Bible open, but everybody's just giving their opinion about what they're what they're reading in that passage, and, and it ends up being con conjecture, and Dan referred to it as it becomes kind of Gnostic, is that everybody just comes together and spouts off their opinion uh, based on how they feel. You, this is how young people will, in, in a Bible study like that, they'll say, well, I feel like it's saying that, right, which is disgusting, right? I feel like uh, when I read that, I feel like it's saying, um, that's just like, it's just it's vile, right? Like, no one cares what you think that it says or you feel like it says. It's even worse how you feel it's what it's saying to you. Uh, not that you shouldn't feel something, but that's not how we interpret Scripture. And, and lots of Bible studies function that way uh, in our world. Um, sometimes Bible studies are just people focusing on prayer and fellowship. Um, you know, they get together, they eat a meal, or, or they, they just spend time with one another, and that's enjoyable. And, and maybe if it's real spiritual... They spend some time just sharing prayer requests, and, and that's how a lot of small groups function. Sometimes small groups or Bible studies are people studying books or commentaries on the Bible. Um, and, and, and that is just, you know, shameful for all the ways that we know it is. Uh, um, remember when, are Beth Moore studies still popular? I don't know. But I remember at one point, like 20 years ago, that was like a big deal. Uh, Beth Moore studies, or um, man, really, this is awful. Andy Stanley studies are so popular in, uh, in churches where they just, you know, a small group will get together and they'll go through one of Andy Stanley's books. And we all know now that he's a freaking heretic. So, um, 
But this obviously is, leads us to the potential to neglect uh, the authority of God's word. Did people get handouts? Okay, cool. Sorry. Uh, people uh, studying, uh, some of these groups are people studying and preparing alone, which is a lot of our Bible studies function this way, okay, uh, in our fellowship of churches. People go and they study. This is how I came up, uh, and it was great for me. People go and they study God's word, and then they come back, and then they spend time sharing it. Like, you get five or ten minutes, and you get to present what God showed you in his word. Um, but maybe I think there's also some flaws in that, because uh, you, that's not very conducive to a lost person, right? Uh, you can't ask a lost person to go study God's word. And come, I mean, I guess you could, but they would come back with just, I don't who knows what they would come back with. But, but a lost person can't come into a setting like that if everybody's going to study and then they're coming back and they're sharing. That might be good for you. But then even beyond that, it doesn't necessarily, uh, one of the values of what I'm going to share with you in terms of Discovery Bible Method is it teaches the people in the Bible study how to study God's word. Okay, it does that. And, and, and so if someone who's not completely prepared, they're a baby Christian, is asked to go do a Bible study and then come back and share, well, that's good, but, but maybe they're not necessarily learning the principles of, of, of studying God's word the way that they could be if they were studying it in the context of the Bible study itself. We'll get to that in a moment. Okay, so what do we want Bible study to be? What do we want it to be? Well, first of all, we want it to be Bible-centered, don't we? I mean, can we all agree to that? I mean, maybe there might be someone in the room that doesn't agree with that, but we, you know, we're, we're going based on the premise that we're calling them Bible studies, so we should probably let them be Bible-centered, right? Every Bible study should have a culture that asserts that the Bible, uh, the Bible as the authority for all of life. 2 Peter 1.3 says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And that's a, that's a wonderful promise to us from God's word. Is it's, it's, it's the knowledge that we need to become virtuous and to glorify his name. It's what we need. What we need is the Bible. That's what we need. We need the Bible to be put inside of us and make us virtuous. That's what we need. And so we need our Bible studies to be, to be centered around God's word. Otherwise, it's a waste of time. And every Bible study leader, we'll get to this, every Bible study leader should be equipped to support a proper biblical hermeneutic. Right? Like if you're, you can't just make Bible studies because you want to make Bible studies. The leaders of those Bible studies have to be able to facilitate and to teach the people in the group to understand a proper biblical hermeneutic. Okay, and so uh, be, be aware of that. So the next thing is that, that Bible studies need to be, they do need to be prayer-centered, okay? Because we know that, that prayer activates what, is, what we're learning from God's Word. It's, it gives, prayer gives us the capacity to apply what we're gaining from God's Word. And so we might be learning from God's Word and then walking away without any prayer. No, we need God's help. We need God's help to make those things true in our life. And, and Dan covered some of that a little bit yesterday in, in terms of the character uh, of Bible studies. Psalm 127.1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. And prayer has to be, the, be center stage in what we're doing because prayer is going to help us to build the thing that God is calling us to build. If we do it in our own hands, it'll be in vain. 
The next thing that I think Bible study needs to be, and I don't think very many Bible studies do this or focus on this, but I believe it needs to be leadership development. And so the first thing you have to decide is that you are going to take risks on leaders. It's a big deal. Taking a risk on a leader, saying, hey, you know what, um, you're not perfect, you don't need to be. Go into that community and apply all the things that I've taught you and go and, and, and be, the, be what you need to be, be the light you need to be in, on that campus or in that neighborhood or whatever it might be. We've got to start taking risks on people. And it's a hard thing to do, especially like as Kaya has developed and I've got, there's just a lot going on. Um, what I'm beginning to realize is that in 2021, I've got to reassert myself at, at taking risks on leaders and pulling them out of their Bible study context and pulling them out because they're ready, they're equipped. Um, there might be things that I'm still concerned about, um, but, I, but I'm going to oversee them and I'm going to shepherd them. I'm going to take them out of their Bible study and I'm going to peel away a few people and then I'm going to take them, I'm going to plant them somewhere else and then they're going to start the work again in another area, another day of the week. And I, we've got to be taking risks on leaders because that's how you grow them and that's how you develop them. Second Timothy 2.2, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So I believe that this kind of Bible study is also leadership equipping. Next, it needs to be accountable. Bible studies need to be accountable. Um, every Bible study should be a loving community with a culture of empathy and encouragement and exhortation and admonishment even. Um, these things should be taking place in the context of Bible study. Okay, so in other words, you study God's word, very naturally people are going to walk away with things where they say, well, I think God is showing me that I need to... This aspect of my life needs to be changed or, or they're provoked to live out the mission in another way or, or maybe they're just growing in their faith and they, they need the accountability of their Bible study to hold their feet to the fire, to call them to something greater, to say, hey, you know what, what you're saying, we, we affirm that. We see that God's doing that in your life as well and we're going to hold you to that and when you don't live that out, we're going to remind you of that. And so if Bible studies aren't that, man, uh, I, I do believe that, that Bible studies can fail. They'll grow worldly. You know, we need Bible studies to be a place of accountability, even though that that's hard. Uh, because, you know, Proverbs 27, 17 says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And then lastly, evangelical. They need to be evangelical. And this is often one of the things that they're not. They're not Bible studies are often not evangelical. And that's the main thing that we're talking about, obviously, in, uh, in this uh, session. So every Bible study should be an invitation to the lost to engage truth in love. Romans 10, 15, and how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And I believe Bible studies can employ the people in your churches um, and in your fellowships to be uh, the, the bearer of glad tidings to the lost. I believe that that's, uh, that can be a function of what Bible studies are. Okay, so with that, I'm going to take just a minute here to, uh, bef before I give you the goods. Like, how do you do Discovery Bible Method? I, I explained to you basically the goals and the objectives and, and what they, they need to be. I hope that made sense. I hope it wasn't too boring. Um, but I am going to take a moment to call Romeo and Seth up here real quick. These are both Bible study leaders on UMKC's campus. And I want them to share with you about two things in particular how Bible study was used to train them, okay, what they learned from being in Bible study, uh, and then also how they see Bible study becoming, you guys can come up here, I know that's, that's real homey of you, and 
but come up here so they can see your faces, uh, how Bible studies can be evangelical if we want them to be. Okay? All right, guys. Go ahead. Okay. Well, I guess I'm first. Uh, hi. Uh, I'm Romeo. Uh, there it is. Hi, I'm Romeo. Uh, I'm one of the imperfect risks uh, that Brandon has taken recently. Um, he asked me to come and share about those two things that he boiled it down to, uh, the equipping and training aspect of it, and then evangelicalism, like being evangelistic. Um, so my testimony with that is uh, I was part of a UMKC Bible study, uh, I guess two or three years ago at this point, and I was in a really dark place uh, in my walk with Christ. Um, I had been struggling with depression, uh, with suicide, old thoughts, um, and uh, just a really unhealthy, um, and just, yeah, just, it wasn't good. Um, and coming out of that and, and repenting of that, Bible study was a big deal because uh, my Bible study leader, uh, a young man named Mouse Cheadle, um, he became like a pastor to me. Uh, and we would just meet, uh, and he would counsel me, and he was my leader. Uh, and what, what really turned things around in my life in terms of my walk was he pointed me back to faith in Christ, uh, and he said, you know what, God still wants to use you to be a part of reaching UMKC for Christ. Um, and if you'll come back to that place of faith in his grace, uh, man, God can still use you. Um, and so over the course of, I guess, a year, a year and a half, two years, uh, Miles just poured into me. Uh, and every week he would say, come, study the Bible, and then come and be ready to minister to people, to invite lost people from campus, um, and to, to reach campus, uh, all the lost souls at UMKC for Christ. Um, and that was life-changing for me. Uh, and I will forever uh, be thankful to what God did through Miles in my life in that. Um, and he was just patient with me and gracious with me and brought me back to a place um, where, man, uh, God started going to work. And um, the biggest part of that was just a, a, a total understanding that our Bible studies were UMKC for Christ. We are being sent out of our local church to go into that campus and to reach lost souls and trust that the word of God is going to do the work as we open it up with lost people and that our, our prayers, our brokenness for these people and our faithfulness to love on them, to keep inviting them in uh, and to show them what God's word says about the gospel uh, would make a real change uh, among my classmates and among the people uh, that I knew and that I was burdened for and that all of our small group uh, was just desperately wanting the, the Lord to do a work in. Um, to bring them to faith in Christ. And so that was, um, that's my testimony of small group. Um, it changed uh, everything, and it is still everything. I'm now leading uh, a small group on campus, um, and that's difficult. Um, and uh, I, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of a sip uh, of the cup of suffering that uh, Pastor Brian was talking about, because uh, it's hard to, uh, it's, it's hard and it's suffering, but it's good. Um, and it's, it's just pushing me to deeper faith in Christ to, to do the work. Yeah, so uh, my name's Seth, and I am probably like second generation Kaya. Um, so I, I got to be here when... Dan Renault was our pastor and get to see kind of this transition from this, uh, this foundation that Dan was pouring into the men who are now, you know, the, the pillars of our ministry is Kaya 
and see that uh, really evolve from, you know, discipleship to making disciples uh, through evangelism. Uh, and, and I've been a part of like so many different Bible studies in that transition. Uh, I was a part of the Lee Summit Bible study, which became a church, and I knew I wasn't, uh, God wasn't calling me to Lee Summit. And so then I got to be in Bible study with Uriah, uh, and then I got to be in Bible study with Alex, starting uh, a, a new work, and it was, it was hard, and, and I got to learn how to trust God to, to do a work in a hard place. And then um, God called me to, to start a UMKC Bible study with Miles Cheadle. And, uh, and this is where, yeah, God really used Bible study in my life to help just train me up in the ministry. And as, as Romeo said, you know, Miles, Miles would just meet with me and he would just pour his life into me. And that's not to say that, uh, you know, these other men didn't. But it was specifically in the context of, hey, let's take what we're doing here and let's multiply it. And, uh, and so Miles just did that. He just taught me how to, yeah, how to do a verse study and, and things that I kind of knew how to do. But he helped me to just train me up and how to teach other men how to do the same in the context of an evangelical Bible study. And so... Uh, then, by the grace of God, he used me to, to start a new Bible study at UMKC where I'm now investing these principles into other men. And, and it's just awesome because the Word of God does the work. Uh, and it's just so cool to, to be able to go over these principles of Bible study. And then, you know, my guys and I were sitting at family camp and it's like, oh, Mark Trotter just did a a word study. You know, he did it like he's a professional wrestler, but <laughs> um, like Bible study is the same and it, and it changes lives. And, uh, and then as we get to train men up to do that, well, they just get to go do that with the lost. And, and by the grace of God, John got to lead his friend to the Lord through just a one-on-one -on -one Bible study. And now we have a faithful man, Matthew, who's just a part of our Bible study now. And he's, he's learning the word of God for himself. And man, we're, we're trusting that he's going to get trained up and he's going to go plant a Bible study someday. And so, um, yeah, just all the glory to God. And I, don't, I want this to be as simple and as straight. Um, yeah, just all the glory to God. Yeah. So that's a, a taste of what I'm talking about. So, and I, don't, I want this to be as simple and as straightforward as I could possibly make it. This is something that any, uh, you know, growing uh, believer can do. Um, Dan tomorrow is going to talk about a curriculum approach where, where you can use creation to Christ in the context of Bible study. But today we're going to talk about the structure a little bit and we're going to talk about Discovery Bible Method, which is approach to opening God's Word and uh, studying it in a, in a group setting. And so um, let's... I'm trying to figure out with, with the time that we have. Did Sam say 12.15, right? Is that what we're aiming for? Oh, really? I've got time? And you guys are, you guys are feeling okay? 
Okay. Okay, cool, cool. Good. All right. So, um, so let me, let me uh, just real quick, let me explain the strengths of Discovery Bible Method. First of all, Discovery Bible Method is an expository study method done in a small group situation. And, uh, and so if you can imagine for a moment what a pastor might do when he sits down to prepare a message, okay, how they approach studying God's Word. Uh, the things that they might consider, the, 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 the way they employ that hermeneutic, the way that they establish an outline. This actually is intended to happen in the context of the Bible study itself, as a group, as a team of people working together. And it's done in such a way that both the mature believers in the group are doing it, but also lost people that show up to Bible study are also participating in the study of God's Word. It's a pretty, it's a pretty amazing thing. And so Briefly, the strengths of Discovery Bible Method are that it's an, there's an emphasis on learning Bible exposition. Learning Bible exposition. Um, so what I mean by that is um, in, the, in the small group, what you're actually doing, the, the Bible study leader is teaching the group principles that they've learned from a D2 class or LFBI. They know how to study God's word and they're modeling it for the group and they're calling people in the group to participate in a way that allows them to learn how to do a word study, how to understand the, the significance of context that allows them to understand that, that there are different applications of scripture and the Bible study or the facilitator, which is what we'll talk about in a second, is showing them how to do that and how to understand and perceive and to approach God's word in a way that is uh, appropriate. Um, another strength is that it's encouragement uh, that the scripture can be easily understood. That's what Discovery Bible Method does. It encourages people to understand that the Bible is actually not some sort of really difficult book that, 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 is, that is, you know, too profound to understand or, or beyond, you know, my knowledge set or whatever. Um, it brings people into a place where they understand that the Bible is actually pretty easy to understand if you approach it the right way. And that's encouraging, even for lost people. The testimony of a lot of the lost people or even new believers that come and visit these Bible studies are like, wow, I didn't know that I could understand this, right? They walk away and, you know, we, we'll talk about at the end of Bible study, we, uh, at the end of a discovery Bible uh, method approach, you ask people what they've learned from God's word. It's amazing to hear a lost person say, oh, well, I learned blah, blah, blah from God's word tonight. Like, that's an amazing thing. But this Bible study allows people to, to, to learn that way. Um, another strength is it develops, a good, uh, it develops good study principles among growing leaders, which we already talked about a little bit. And then also small group uh, biblical counseling. Okay, now this is my favorite as a pastor. This is one of my favorite things about it is that, is that the way that the Bible studies are structured, it supports me in my counseling ministry. You can only imagine uh, in, a, in a ministry of 160, 170 college and young adults, how much counseling I have to do because emotions are flying everywhere. And it's, it's like, it can be really exhausting. These Bible studies are structured in such a way, and we've, 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 we've built them in such a way that the Bible study leaders actually insulate me from that, and they actually do the majority of the counseling in our ministry. It's great. I love it. It's, it makes my life so much better. And, and it's more appropriate because 
You know, oftentimes, uh, if you're a pastor or a leader, you understand this. When you sit down to do counseling with someone, they have to fill you in on like the last year of their life, right? Because you haven't been sitting with that person every week learning about their life. Well, guess who has? Their Bible study leader. They know everything about them. They've been watching them for a while. They know what they struggle with. And so when they sit down to counsel them, there isn't all of the backstory. They're very familiar and, and, um, and close to that person. And they have the ability to counsel them in a way that's particularly insightful. And so that's beneficial as well. And then lastly, uh, one of the strengths of Discovery Bible Method is obviously that it can be evangelical. And so the first thing uh, you might notice is that I use the word facilitated. So let's talk about Discovery Bible Method. And I want to I show you how to do it. How to do Discovery Bible Method. Uh, the first thing is that it's facilitated, okay? And what I mean by that is that Bible studies, um, the, the, the leader is intended to clear a path for the people in that Bible study to discover personal truths about God's Word directly from His Word, okay? So um, you know how it is when there's a Bible study leader some of these Bible studies, the Bible study leader just teaches the Bible. Like they call it Bible study, but really what it is is like one person bogarting the entirety of the time or interjecting because they're the leader, constantly interjecting their thoughts and their study on everyone else. And it ends up being, you know, really leadership driven. Um, but, but the proper approach to discovery Bible method is that the Bible study leader is actually a facilitator. And I'll show you how they, 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 they facilitate here in a second. But, but their responsibility is to be studied up and to be prepared to keep the Bible study group in between the white lines, right? Their job is to prevent people from coming up with heretical ideas. They need to know that passage. They need to have studied it. They need to be prepared so that they could teach it if they wanted to. If they needed to preach for an hour on that topic, they could do that. But their responsibility is to facilitate. In other words, they're posing all the right questions. They're pointing people in the right direction because, as we've said, it's discovery Bible method. And what you want is for people in the small group to discover the goodness of, of God on their own in the context of study. Does that make sense, at least conceptually? Okay? And so a facilitator of a, a, of a Bible study in Kaya needs to have the follow, following resume. I'm going to talk about the resume of our Bible study leaders, and it would be different in different situations, okay? I'm not telling you what you have to do. I'm just telling you what we do. The very first thing is that they need to be a proven leader, and that means that they need to have been previously faithful to another Bible study, okay? So our Bible study leaders are always bringing along, we refer to them as right-hand men or women, they're always bringing along someone else who's proving to be faithful so that I can take that person at some point and I let them start their own Bible study. This needs to be someone who's been faithfully attending, faithfully participating, faithfully serving in a Bible study for maybe a year or longer before this. Okay, so they need to be a proven and faithful and consistent Bible study attendee before they can be a, a Bible study leader. The next thing, and this is my personal desire, is that in, in Kaya, uh, that, that every leader has been through D2. And the reason is because D2 uh, teaches you how to be a discipler, which is something a Bible study leader should do and be. Uh, but the other thing is that it also teaches you uh, how to study God's Word, 
right? In D2, you learn how to study God's word. You learn the principles of studying God's word. And a Bible study leader has to have that in their tool belt. Now, those are requirements that might not be as important in another church uh, where, you're, you know, maybe you have a 40-year-old who's been studying God's word. He's proven that he understands or she understands God's word in a different way. But in our ministry, that person needs to have been through D2. Also in Kaya, uh, the, the Bible study leader needs to have successfully discipled someone else. Okay? And the reason that is, because how can you possibly dis- disciple a small group, which is what you're doing, right? If you haven't already discipled an individual, I mean, how successful can you be with shepherding a flock of people if you haven't yet shepherded an individual? Does that make sense? That, that seemed, to me, that seems obvious, but sometimes we don't think about things like that. I don't really want to put people in a position where they're leading a group if they haven't yet led one person and mentored them in God's word and brought them up into maturity. And then the last thing, and this is a preference of mine, preferably they've been through intro to biblical counseling in LFBI. And that's because I want my Bible study leaders to be counselors. And so, um, you know, I, we make sure that one of the first classes that they sign up for, if they're a growing leader, and all of the, there's, this is like, at this point it's chatter, it's just part of the, the culture, is that people who want to be Bible study leaders, they know this list and, and they're, they're, they're like, okay, I know that when I get into LFBI, one of the very first classes I need to take is intro to biblical counseling because I need to be ready to counsel people if I'm going to lead a Bible study. It's part of the ambition and the desire and the drive and the zeal to, to, to lead. And I'm, I'm, I'm really glad for that. And so intro to biblical counseling is one of, of my prerequisites uh, for my Bible study leaders. And then, um, uh, so uh, let's uh, talk about, does anybody have any questions? Let's just, right here, let's just stop for a second. Does anybody have any questions about what I've said so far? No? I'm just very thorough. Okay. Oh, you're the one person in the room who shouldn't have a question. But go ahead. What is facilitating conversation around the scripture look like? Okay, so we're going to talk about that in a second. But thank you. See, look, he's a facilitator. He's asking a question that's supposed to probe me in the right direction. Thank you for that, but I've got it. It's in the notes already. We'll get there. <laughs> That's a leader right there, asking the right questions. He's making sure I'm going to teach the right content today. Um, okay, so, so we know what, what a facilitator should look like, but how does one lead? How do you actually do it? How do you actually go through it and, and, and employ the method? Okay, so the very first thing that you do as a Bible study leader is that you study the passage that you're about to enter into Bible study with. You've got to study in advance. You've got to look at it. You've got to read the passage for yourself. You've got to study the passage. You have to know it. Okay, you've got to know it. And you've got to do all the things that you know to do. You need to do the word studies. You need to compare scripture with scripture. You need to find the proof text. You need to address the doctrinal aspects. You need to establish the historical context. You need to find those things that are inspiring. You need to understand the theme of the You need to know that stuff. Okay, that's why D2 is important, because you need to know how to study God's Word. And so what a Bible study leader is going to do is before they go into Bible study, they're going to be prepared, and they're going to have their notes, and then they're going to do this thing that I'm going to refer to as chunking. And that's only because I don't know of a better term to use. Um, It's a gross word. I just acknowledge that right now. Chunking, chunk. Chunks is, is a gross, it's disgusting, isn't it? But I don't really know of a better word, and it's really easy to remember. You've got to chunk the passage. 
And what I mean by that is that you're going to dissect the passage and you're going to break it down into ideas, concepts. Okay, so think about uh, if you ever took a homiletics class or you, you're familiar with outlining. Uh, when you outline, you know you have, uh, you, you break things down into major ideas or concepts that you find within the passage, right? So if you're studying a chapter, you might break that down. Here's six verses on this topic. This is what Paul's addressing here, or this is what's being discussed here. And you take that and you separate that into one portion. And then you take a, the next section and you divide it out. And then you're, what you're doing when you, when you chunk the passage is you're dividing it out into to, to, uh, topics for discussion, sections for discuss, discussing the passage. If you turn to your, in your handout to the back page, there's an example of how you might chunk a passage there. Oh, there it is. Excellent. Okay, and you might, you might establish there, you know, how you're going to divide it out because this is going to lead you in the conversation. We'll talk about that more in a minute. So when you study, you need to have done this because this is going to guide you in your study time. Um, now, you want to also be studied up, uh, the leader needs to be studied up on, on things that are particularly difficult about the passage. Okay, so because, because you don't want heresy to creep in, you've got you've to insulate the group against that by making sure that you've properly studied something out. And so if a word like election shows up in that passage, well, you need to be prepared to explain why election doesn't have anything to do with salvation, right? It has to do what believers are called to do and be, right? You've got to be prepared to explain that by using God's word. And so understanding the doctrinal aspects, the inner workings, understanding difficult words, uh, knowing that stuff, you need to be prepared to talk about it because someone's going to bring it up at some point. They're going to say, well, you know, someone real smart is going to be in the group. They're going to be like, well, as far as I understand, that word means blah, 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 blah. And then you need to be able to walk them back into truth uh, as you're facilitating the group. Okay? You guys didn't like that, um, that nerdy. That was like my nerdy white guy voice. <laughs> well, as I see it. Uh, okay? There's always that guy who shows up in a Bible study. And you need to be prepared against that guy because he's going to probably try to sow seeds of heresy into your small group. You need to be ready. So a Bible study leader needs to be prepared. And then that Bible study leader needs to be prayed up. Okay? Which leads us back to what we said at the beginning. Only God does this. You want, whatever you imagine you want your Bible study to be, well, that's only achievable through God. Okay? So you personally need to be prayed up and prepared as you enter into Bible study that God can have his way. All right, so... Um, Let's, uh, let's, so now you've got a prepared Bible study leader. Okay, you've got that person is ready to enter into Bible study. Now what happens when you get into Bible study is actually very, very important. Okay, what's the very first thing that you do? You're sitting and you're, usually the small groups meet in a little circle. That just happens, that's the way it goes. Okay, because, it, because you want everybody to participate. You know, like here, I'm lecturing you. Like you're stuck with me. You're listen, you have to listen to everything that I'm saying. And so you're sitting in rows and I'm at the front of the room and I'm telling you things, okay? But in a small group, if we want it to be about the group participating, you might meet in a circle or a semicircle or something, in, you know, in a living room somewhere or a room that's comfortable. And you're going you're gonna to come together, and the very first thing that you're going to do is you're going to pray as a group because we believe in prayer. That seems obvious. So you're going to pray. But then you're going to start reading. And this is the way we do it. Everyone... After we've prayed, the Bible study leader says, all right, guys, we're going to read the passage. 
Okay, in the quietness of our heart, we're going we're gonna to just take this time right now to familiarize ourselves with the passage. And then everybody reads to themselves quietly the passage that's been designated for that night's Bible study. And they read it quietly. And then when they come back from that, after a few moments, the Bible study leader says, okay, now we're going to read it as a group. And this forces them to engage the text twice. And so what happens is the Bible study leader will start and they'll read verse 1. And then the person to their left will read verse 2. And the person to that person's left will read verse 3. And you'll go around and you'll read the entire, entire passage uh, out loud. And it forces the people in the group to engage again because no one wants to mess up. You know what I'm talking about? Like, okay, it's my turn. Okay, they're coming. It's my turn. And this is the verse. And okay, they read that verse. And so everybody is like a little bit nervous about whether or not they're going to read the right verse. And everyone's paying very close attention that second time around. And they read their verse and they're like, and then it goes on to the next person. And then that way the passages have been read twice and everybody's feeling pretty familiar about what's happening there. Okay. Now before they read it, sometimes it's important to ask them, okay guys, now you know we're going to read with the intention of looking for the theme. Okay, so when we read this a second time, I want you to consider what's the theme of this passage? What is it that the main idea of all of this that we just read? Be looking for that, okay? Because when you come out of that second reading, it's time to do the next thing. Number three on our list is this, establish the theme. Establish the theme, which is exactly what a pastor might do or a, a Bible student might do when they're studying themselves. What's the theme of what I just read? Ask the group what the central idea of the passage is, then make them support it with a verse or a pattern of verses in the passage. Okay? So then this is a part where someone might, there's an opportunity here where someone might say their opinion. Okay? So rather than saying their opinion, you invite them to support what they're saying by saying, where does it say that in Scripture? What, what, is, what does the Bible say? What verse are you, you using or verses are you using to say that this is the theme of the passage? And so they'll go around the room and people might have different themes. And that's okay because passages of Scripture have different themes. There might be two or three different themes. Okay? And so people are going to go around and kind of popcorn around and share what well, I think what Paul is, is saying here, it sounds to me like this is what he's saying because this is what verse such and such says and this is what verse such and such says and, and that's what it seems like he's trying to say. And people will do that and they'll talk about it and it'll be a point of conversation. And this is also an opportunity for you to start encouraging people to participate, even lost people. You've got a person in your group that's a baby Christian or maybe doesn't even know Christ. This is a good way of allowing them to participate. And you might say to them, Stanley, um, what do you think the theme of this passage is? I've, I don't think I've ever met a single Stanley in my life. A Stan or two, but no one that actually goes by Stanley except that guy in, in the office. But I would really love if Stanley from the office showed up to my small group. So that would be really a good time. But, um, okay, Stanley, what, what do you think the theme of this passage is? And let the, even the lost person participate and trying to establish things like that, and then you can affirm them. And say, here's the very important thing that you need to understand, that all through this process, affirmation is, is really important. Okay? Even the simplest biblical discovery, you want to say, hey, that's, that's good. I didn't even actually notice that. Man, that's, thank you for sharing that. That was good. Thank you for participating. Thank you for sharing that with us. Affirming them, and encourages them, and it makes them want to come back next week. I mean, that's the simplest way to put it is that they feel good about what they're learning. Now listen, Ephesians 4.29 says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of, their, out of your mouth, 
which too many Bible studies have people sharing corrupt information. And what I mean by that is just being discouraging. Dan was talking about critiquing. There's a place for critiquing people's studies, right? But, but in a discovery Bible method, there's not a whole lot of room for criticism. And let me explain what you should do, though. Say, say someone does say something that's wrong and unbiblical. Well, what do you do about that? Okay, well, you're the facilitator. It's your job to bring people back into the white lines. It's your job to, to, to draw people back. And so you say, oh, I hear what you're saying. But actually, let, let me explain to you why that's kind of off or that's, that, that conclusion is actually not quite right. And then what you do is you gently correct them back into what is proper, but you also at the same time affirm them by saying, thank you for sharing that. Right? There's a way of being loving in Bible study and, and facilitating without putting people down, even if they're wrong. There's a way of doing that. Good leaders know how to do that. Okay? And so, and so the, the idea of affirming them is, is, is important, but then also gently correcting them when they're wrong because we do need to, it's, it's crucial that we protect uh, the small group from, from bad doctrine. It's crucial. So you have to be able to do both. Um, also, a, a thing that a Bible study need, leader needs to do, and, it, and as you enter into this part of the, the theme part, a Bible study leader, especially as you're starting a new book, is the Bible study leader's responsibility to set the stage by ex- explaining the historical application from the beginning. So as you're beginning the Bible study, before you maybe even talk about the theme, the Bible study leader might say, okay, now before we get started tonight, I want to make sure that we're reminded of, of what's actually happening in Paul's life. Paul's in prison here. And, and, and because he's in prison, this is the kind of tone that he's taking. And, and, and this is what, what Rome looked like during that time period. And this is the type of oppression that Christians were facing. And, and, and I just want to make sure that we understand that before we enter into the text tonight. Right? And that's the Bible study leader's responsibility as they facilitate. Okay? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to take your silence as consent that you're learning lots of things today. Okay. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to dissect the passage together. So you've established the theme. And, and the Bible study leader is going to take all the stuff that was said and they're going to they're going to synthesize it into a singular theme statement. They're going to say, okay, it sounds like what we've, we've come up with tonight is that the theme of the passage is blah, blah, blah. And you present that theme to the group so they understand in their mind that all of the dissecting of the passage is going to continually relate back to that theme so that people can get a proper application for the scripture. But now it's time to dissect. Now it's time to look at those chunks that you established before you came to Bible study and look at them individually and let the small group discuss those sections and those individual thoughts. Okay, so when you're doing this, you are employing all of the principles that you know about Bible study. Okay, you're looking for patterns in words with the small group. Hey, we saw that word once before. Okay, and now I'm getting ahead of myself and I've got so much to cover that, that I want to make sure this is clear. You read the passage again. So, so hey, we're going to look, okay, to begin with tonight, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5. Uh, Joe, would you read verses 1 through 5 for us again, just to remind us of what it says? And they read that section again. And then the Bible study leader starts saying things like, does, does anybody see any words here that stand out? Or, or what do you guys think specifically what this, what is this passage saying? What do you think that this is saying? Oh, okay, you, a word stood out that you didn't know? 
What, what, what was that? Okay, so a, a word, you know, the word propitiation shows up. And no one in the group knows what that is. And so then you, you spark a word study. Right? Okay, guys, let's use our concordance. And then you got a lost person. It's like, what? Let's use our concordances to find where other places where this word is used so that we can establish what this word means. Because remember, guys, that we compare Scripture with Scripture to come up with definitions. We're not going to the Oxford to do that. We don't, we don't have, a, we don't have a, a dictionary here. We're using the Bible to define itself. Okay, what are you doing? When you say things like that, you're teaching your small group how to study God's word. And you're showing a lost person that your authority is in God's word. And so the lost person's like, whoa, that's, that's a wild thought. So they're using the Bible to define itself. Okay, and then you show them how to use a concordance. I can remember being in Bible study and, I, and what I think was probably 2000. Before I was, uh, before I was in college, like uh, being in a high school Bible study with Joe Medlin. And this was in Jim Lee's um, ministry. And we were in Jim Boyette's Bible study. Okay. Now, there was a lot of goofing off that went on in that Bible study. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And, uh, but I do remember vividly, I think the thing that was probably the most significant to my entire development in that Bible study was that one night, Jim uh, took some time to show us how to use a concordance. And I'd been in church my whole life. I'd never even heard of a concordance. Like, who is this guy strong? It's a good name. What, what is this? What is this thing? And he, the book, this is when people still use the books. The concordance is like this big. I'd never held a book so big in my entire life, right? And he showed me how to use a, a concordance. It blew my mind. And, uh, and, and so that's the kind of discovery that we want people to have in Bible study. It's like, oh, I can do a word study. Oh, I can do, I can do a verse study. I can, I, you can show me how to do that. And that's what you're doing. The Bible study leader is facilitating that. Um, and you're going to focus, uh, obviously, you're going to focus your attention on doctrine, the facilitator leader must be ready to ask questions that provoke people to turn to the Bible for answers. The facilitator or leader should be prepared to teach only when it's necessary to bring the conversation back within a doctrinal or thematic parameters. So the facilitator has to be very conscientious of this, especially if they've grown up in church. Your job is not to teach. You've got to continue to remind yourself. One of the things I do when I chunk the passage is I write questions down that I might ask. I write all the questions, okay, I, I think this would be a good question to ask her this. And I might not get to those questions, or, I'm, or I might really, you know, if the conversation's not sparking, I might go to those questions because I need them. But sometimes when, when, when Discovery Bible Method is hitting on all cylinders, people are just talking. They're just sharing. The more comfortable they are with each other, they're just saying stuff. And they're like, oh, you know what? I just found this verse. And that, this verse over here reminds me of what this passage is saying. And they're making all the connections. And they're helping the lost people in the Bible study. And they're sitting next to that lost person. And they're saying, hey, did you see? Look at this. Look up that passage. Look, look that up. And then they're helping that person. They're making them feel apart. I'm telling you, listen to me. Lost people that show up to a Bible study like this love it. You know how intimidating it is to be a lost person and come to a Bible study? That can be so intimidating. But when they're actually participating and they're invited in to be a part of it, man, they, it's, it's so transformative. And we've seen this over, I'm going to share with you a couple examples of, of salvation testimonies before we close here. I can't tell what time it is. Is it 12.30? Oh my gosh. Really, I hear, I hear applause. That makes me feel good. 
Okay, my motivation's coming back to me. I feel like I was letting you guys down. Um, thank you, Dan. This is like... This is like a bad 80s movie, thanks. Uh, okay, so um, the facilitator leader should create opportunities for people to use their concordance, their treasury scripture knowledge, etc., in the midst of their group study, because that's what you would do if you were studying the Bible at home. So, so prompt people to do that very thing right there. The facilitator should use the study time as an opportunity to explain and model Bible study principles. All right? The things that you learned in your D2 class, those things should be coming up. And you should be teaching those things. You should be saying those things. The first principle of Bible study is context. We should be looking for the context. And you should be saying things like that. And ingraining, can you imagine, before you even get saved, knowing stuff like that? This is what I said yesterday. When someone gets saved this way, they get saved so good. They are, I mean, you've created a disciple before they're in discipleship. It's amazing to see people just so naturally progress through the path of growth because the way that they came to Christ was through a Bible study. It's amazing. You need to encourage note-taking and question-asking uh, so that they have homework to study before the next meeting. One of the things I like to do, especially with the growing leaders, someone that's been around in the Bible study for a while, is say, hey, I want you to recap this passage next week when we come back. Can you do that for me? You'll have five minutes, so you need to be ready to do that. Or I'll say, hey, next week, I know that there's a really hard word that's coming up or a really hard, difficult idea. Hey, will you study that out and just to be prepared? So I'll, there'll be like a sidebar after Bible study. I'll be like, hey, I'd really like for you to do this real quick, this study so that you're prepared next week because I'm going to ask you to talk about that thing. It's just like there's so many ways of training in this context. And so the majority of the time is spent dissecting. That might take 45 minutes. It might take an hour to dissect the passage, to have conversations about all those things that you chunked out. Each time you, you, you hit one of those chunk sections, you kind of just start the process over. And people are making connections and they're finding patterns and they're discovering doctrinal truths and, they're be and it's beginning to take root and it's beginning to motivate them and they're beginning to think about and contemplate what that means. And it's really important for people to be able to make life application as they're going. And they're saying, man, you know, that's really convicting. When I hear you, you say that thing, it's convicting me of this or that. And the Bible study leader models all of that. The last thing is application. Application when your Bible study has worked through the entire passage that you have for that night and, you, and people have been taking notes and they've been coming up with stuff, they've got their journals. And one of the cool things to, to do as a Bible study leader is to provide journals. Oh, another thing is, you know, the, uh, this question is going to come up. I know it. Um, well, what if someone shows up with a Bible that's not a KJV? That's always a question about Bible studies. Okay, one of the things that I like to do around here is about once a year, they, they like to replace the Bibles in the pews with new ones because they, you know they get, they get beat up and stuff. And so about once a year, they go and they buy Bibles. And the old Bibles, I take them. And I give them to the Bible study leaders so that they have KJVs on hand. And so when if someone shows up and they've got an NIV, obviously they can't, you can't even do a word study with a freaking NIV. You know that, right? Like, good luck with that. Right? So, so what you want to do is you want to encourage that new person to your Bible study and you want to give them a KJV and say, hey, I'm giving this to you. I know it looks a little ragged <laughs> because people have been using it, but I want to give this to you because we want to make sure that we're all... People don't have a problem with this, by the way. This is not a problem, at least not with young people. Uh, you give them a Bible and you say, hey, 
we all just want to use the same Bible because we all want to be talking about the same thing. So, so here's a Bible. This is what we're going to study from tonight. And people are always cool with that. Okay? If they're not, then let them throw a little pity party with their ESV throughout the entirety of the Bible study. And over time, God will change their mind. Okay? Because they'll realize they're not talking about the same stuff you're talking about. Well, my Bible doesn't have that which is what will be playing in the back of their mind over and over again until they feel the pressure to pick up the KJV and actually participate. Okay, so um, I think you could do that in a very loving way, obviously. Um, okay, application. At the end of every Bible study, after you've worked through the passages, when you've, when you've worked through them, you end the time by asking the question, what are you personally going to take away from this passage? And everybody in the Bible study gets to participate in this. And you go around the circle, and everybody shares and usually you ask someone who's a kind of a leader in the group, you ask them to share first. Hey, Stanley, would you go first because I want, I want to hear from you. And then everybody goes around and they share what God has shown them. You know, God taught me tonight that I need to consider this or I need to have faith about that or I need to correct this in, in, in my life. There's this thing that I've been struggling with and sometimes it can be really deep and emotional. And then the lost people, a lot of times, they get to share too. And they might say something super, uh, very superficial, and it might, not, it might not even make any sense. But you do your best to encourage them and say, man, I'm so glad that God showed you something tonight. I bet they come back. I bet they come back. You're, and, and so everybody participates in this application time, and then you spend time together in prayer activating what God has shown you. Right? You pray together. So listen to me, I, I've said so much and I've talked about this in, in terms of two major ways. Bible studies are equipping for growing leaders and that's good for a million different reasons because we're trying to expand God's kingdom and we need more leaders to do that. But the other thing is I believe that Bible study can be evangelical, especially when you use discovery Bible method. Lost people get curious about God's word and they discover that it's true. They discover that it's powerful. They discover that the people in your small group, they, they not only just love each other, but they love the book and they're passionate about it. And, it. and it wears off on them. It rubs off on them. And they begin to feel that way. And pretty soon you've got people who are accepting Jesus Christ. We've got several people who've accepted Jesus Christ in the context of Bible study. We've got many people that have done that. One young man, Jake Bush, Went, attended Bible study for, for literally, I think it was six months, before he realized that, that the Bible was truth and that he needed to repent. This morning, is Allie in here? Oh, there she is. This morning, she was telling uh, her testimony again. And her testimony is that she attended Bible study believing that she was a Christian. And when the Bible study went out to do confrontational evangelism on campus, which is another cool thing, is that the Bible studies will go out and they'll go meet people, they'll invite people to events, invite people to, to, to small group. She went out to do some evangelism on campus. She got saved going to evangelize other people, just participating in small group because she felt loved in that space and she wanted to be a part. And so they went out and they, they were evangelizing and Teresa turned to her and was like, by the way, are you even saved? And she's like, she wasn't. And she got saved that day. And so I believe that, that Bible studies are really powerful. But listen to me, I want to end with this. Bible studies are only evangelical if, if, first of all, we want them to be. Because we know Bible studies can look like anything. We can deform them into just about anything we want. 
Bible studies are only going to be evangelical if we actually just, we just want them to be. You've got to start there. And we've got to pray about them being evangelical. And we need to act like they should be evangelical. Right? I mean, if they're going to be evangelical, you need to pray that way, and you need to act that way. I mean, it can't be evangelical if you don't invite lost people to it. And it can't be evangelical if you don't know lost people. It's a whole other issue. Right? If you don't know anybody that's lost, well, you can't invite anybody to Bible study, can you? So, I mean, the, the Bible study is only going to actually have uh, this bent if you actually desire it to be and you function in a way that allows it to be. We got to invite the lost. We got to go meet lost people. That's why the Bible studies go out and they evangelize on campus because they want to meet lost people. That's why so many uh, young adults spend time at the, at the coffee shop. Adults can do that too. Go meet lost people. I know it's COVID. Do you understand that there's people that are starving for connection during COVID? Listen, I know that most churches have gotten smaller over COVID. We've, we've seen some loss. We've, we've seen a little bit of loss here at Midtown Baptist Temple. Kaya, our, our, our uh, young adult ministry, has grown during COVID. Because they're going and they're meeting lost people. We've had, I think, six salvations in the last two months. Okay? That's, that has nothing to do with us. Okay? That motivation is sourced in knowing Jesus Christ. Going out and meeting lost people and inviting them into Bible study and getting to know them, that has everything to do with what Christ has done in us. So we have to invite the lost. We have, we, we have to open the Word of God. The whole point is that the Bible is, is awesome. That's the whole point of Discovery Bible Method, is the Bible is so freaking awesome that it blows our minds, and it's going to blow anybody's mind that opens it up. And if it doesn't blow your mind, well, then you're hard-hearted and you're stubborn and God's going to have to, to work on you over time and we're going to pray for that. But listen to me, anybody that opens God's word has to be confronted with how crazy amazing it is. And we're just letting the book do what it does. Okay, and then the last thing is that, that we, we express Christ's love. And that's the Bible study that goes back to what Dan talked about yesterday. Bible study has to have a particular culture. It's got to have a particular character. The Bible studies have to, when someone comes into that environment, they have to know that they're loved. Right? That's why you should always have food at every Bible study. Okay? All right, that's a pro tip. You've got to always have food because people feel loved when you, when you feed them. There's something magical about it, right? So you want to always have food. You want, to, you want the environment to be cozy and, and loving and inviting. And people need to love one another. And if you're praying for each other and you're desperate for one another and you act like you care for one another, lost people don't encounter that. They don't encounter that in their, in their lives. And man, it's so much better. Listen, it's so much more impressive to a lost person. You can walk up to a lost person on the street and share the gospel with them. They don't know anything about your life. They don't know how real what you're saying is actually to you. They don't know anything about you. You can do that. You can confront someone and share the gospel. People get saved that way. It's cool. You should do that. But listen to me. When someone shows up to a Bible study, I mean, Christ himself says that the world is going to know that we're his disciples by the way that we love one another. And when you drop a person into the middle of a Bible study and everyone's loving each other and preferring each other and the facilitator isn't obnoxious and pontificating and they're sharing that time with other people and people are getting to talk about God's word, people see that and they're like, this is nuts, this is unlike anything I've ever seen. And they love it. And they come back again and again and again until they accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
Don't know what to tell you. I've seen it happen over and over again. Okay, so let's end. If anybody has any questions, I'm sorry, I've glossed over a ton. I didn't mean to go this long. Um, does anybody have questions about this? Yeah. Yeah, it's built, for, it's built for Bible exposition, which is great for us because that's how we tend anyway, right? And uh, the be- so the beautiful thing is that, um, is that you can work through all of Galatians together as a small group, right? And then you can work through, as a, a, like a, in a team. Some of the best notes I got over Hebrews, by the way, I don't recommend starting with Hebrews. <laughs> but, uh, man, okay, so real quick, I'll tell you a story and I'll get back to what you're saying. I was, the, I was the high school pastor, and I needed a way to encourage my counselors. So I, I started a small group Bible study with just the counselors in my, in my ministry. And I just used the Discovery Bible method because Sam had been talking about it a bunch, and I just thought, man, this would be awesome. Let's do Discovery Bible method in this small group. It'll be encouragement. It won't put a ton of pressure on the guys to do extra studying and all that. We'll study together. That Bible study, it grew, like beyond just the Bible study counselors. It grew. Over a four-year period, I bet we had over 30 or 40 lost people come through our counselor's Bible study. We, we started other small groups from that Bible study in the college, in young adult ministry. Brian began attending the Bible study with me, and then I'm like, Brian, you're in Kaya. Why don't you just take what we're doing and just do a Kaya Bible study? And then they went and they did that, and we were spawning Bible studies by accident. It was never even the intention. And we were just studying God's word. And we, at one point, we studied through Hebrews. It was awesome. Some of the best notes I ever got on the book of Hebrews were done studying with my brothers in Christ. It was so cool. So it is bent towards Bible exposition. But, as Dan is going to point out tomorrow, you can actually do creation to Christ in a discovery Bible method approach. And that is more of a topical approach to God's word. Because what you're doing is you're looking for the narrative of Christ throughout Scripture. And he's going to talk about that. So that you can, if you've got a well-planned approach, you could do something more topical. Yes, you absolutely can. But it's, it's kind of built naturally for exposition. Any other questions? Yeah. Sure, go for it. No, that's a great question. In, in um, Kaya, because I want it to be evangelical, um, I'm careful to not pick books like Hebrews. And so I kind of set the slate for the year. So what I did at the beginning, um, okay, so this is a great question. So what I did at the beginning of the year as the pastor of this ministry is I said, we're going to study Mark. And I, what I did is I broke out all of the, I took Mark and I just broke it down into its most natural breakdowns. And I handed those breakdowns over to the, the Bible study leaders. And I said, if you do it this way, you'll get done in like, in like 35 weeks or something. And so it might take us the next two years to get through Mark. But Mark is evangelical because it's a gospel. It also is a book on servanthood. So my leaders are growing in their servanthood. I'm hearing them, like everybody in the ministry is talking about Mark right now, right? They're all talking, we studied this. And everybody across the ministry, even the new believers are saying, well, I learned this in Mark, right? And so I I do it that way. Another ministry fellowship might say, hey, um, why don't you guys pick a book 
Uh, we've done Galatians. We've done John. We did John. We did Creation to Christ as a ministry. We took the Creation to Christ approach and, and let them do that. And the Bible study leaders d- d- uh, uh, do that from week to week. In the summers, though, I transition. Um, I create a curriculum that teaches them how to do personal Bible studies. So we switch to personal Bible studies in the summer months so that the young people can grow deeper roots into their own personal Bible study habits. So when school is in session, we're taking a, a discovery Bible method approach. And, um, and, and so that's easier for lost people. To, but a lot of those lost people, or a lot of those visitors disappear uh, during the summer months. And it's just us, Kaya, the fruit that we've borne throughout the year. We're hanging out over the summer. Um, so at that, we use that as an opportunity to go deeper. We, do verse, we teach them how to do a verse study, a passage study, and a chapter study. And then they actually have to come to Bible study and share the way we used to do SRT. Um, so does that answer your question? I kind of set that agenda. But if you're just going out and you're just wanting to start an evangelical Bible study, obviously you get to determine what you're, what you're studying. That's up to you. Is there anything else tied to that that you wanted? I just wanted to know how long the meeting usually is. Okay. Um, okay. We've done both. But when you're managing, say you've got 30 Bible studies that you're overseeing, um, it becomes apparent pretty quickly that some Bible study leaders are just, they're following the Holy Spirit more than you want them to. Okay, they're going slow. They're like, oh, let's deep dive here. And then they don't get what, you know. And so they're like six or seven weeks behind the rest of the ministry. It has been easier for me to kind of set the stage in advance and say, hey, this is what you need to study this week and, and that's what you need to get done. Trust the Holy Spirit in that, <laughs> right? So that, that has been the easiest way to ensure that we're kind of all finishing around the same time frame. Um, as far as the, the length of time, um, people need time to fellowship up front. Give them 20 minutes to do that. Call them to prayer. Um, prayer on the front end shouldn't take very long. The study part should probably take an hour, um, at maybe an hour and a half. Young people have, can stay up later, and they like to hang out later, but I've told them that I prefer if they're done by 9.30, because uh, people do have jobs and they, you don't want the lost people that are showing up to resent you because you've imprisoned them in a Bible study till 10, 10.30 at night. So, so two hours is appropriate. So you know, seven to nine seems appropriate. Um, but you know, that leaves room for fellowship and prayer at the end, which I think is super. Prayer, you know, when you do that pr- praying uh, thing at the end with the application, or when you're praying for everybody's stuff, the best way to do that is to have one or two people pray for everybody's stuff because if you like popcorn that or you go around the circle you just added 45 minutes to the small group study you don't want that you want to keep that to like 10 or 15 minutes and so be careful about how you approach that just ask a couple people to pray over the application stuff that people are sharing yeah so <clears throat> What you're saying is at the beginning of Bible study, sometimes you have prayer requests. Um, that's appropriate. That's f- fine. But again, you've got to be careful with that. Um, so if the Bible study is going to be evangelical, you want to keep prayer requests focused on the kingdom. 
And, and we keep that, that focus is derived as we study the Bible. I just realized that the G in God is lowercase. How'd that happen? Okay, guys, disregard everything I said this entire hour and a half. Just burn me at the stake. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, as far as that goes, you could take time for prayer requests. Another thing that you could do is ask people just to show up with their prayer requests written down. And then it, you can let people put them in a thing, and then people can take the prayer request. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Um, and then you can take, everybody can take a, a, a prayer request and they can pray that for someone throughout the week. But really what we want to do is to focus the bulk and the emphasis of our prayer on God, please lead us in our Bible study. And now God, take what you've, you've shown us in Bible study and allow that to be lived out in our lives at the end. If we can really focus on that, that's the most important thing. But if you want to have a time of prayer request, let people bring them, drop them into a little hat, take one out, and you're praying for that, for that person this week or whatever. And look, it's a small group, and, and that person functions pastorally over that group. If you need to improvise, do that. If you need to say this week, guys, so-and-so's grandfather died this week. You need to take the liberty to just carve out 30 minutes to pray over that person, to talk with that person, to weep with that person. Listen, if Bible studies can't be flexible in that way, then we're going to actually lose the culture that we need the Bible studies to be. So don't structure it to the point like, there's always exceptions. Always make exceptions. You do that in discipleship, right? You go through five or six lessons, but then some crisis happens in that person's life, and then the next time you meet, you actually just spend time praying and talking. Like, you can make those exceptions in Bible study as well. Any other questions? Jesus is like, no, please, be done. It's going too long. I'm hungry. Okay. Thanks, guys. Like, thanks. I mean... I hope that wasn't too meandering. Um, if you have questions about this, just ask. Dan knows a lot about this. Our Bible study leaders know a lot about this. We'd be glad to share and talk to you about it more. Can I pray for your lunch and let you go eat? Thanks. This means a lot to, for me to share with you uh, this. Um, but again, we've just we've got to start by establishing a desire to reach the lost. We get so focused on discipleship and, and these other things that we do, we forget that evangelism is crucial to discipleship. It's crucial to the things that we do. We have to reach the lost. That is our calling, is to go find, to seek out the lost and, and to reach them. And It has to be the burning passion of our lives, and it drives everything else in ministry. And so Bible studies, too, as much as we desire to learn God's word, we should also be leveraging that, just like every ministry, to reach lost people. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. It's, um, it means so much to me, and I hope it was impactful uh, to those of us uh, who, who are learning and growing in this. And so please uh, help, help these folks, if they're, if they're hoping to start Bible studies like this, Lord, help them. Uh, let your spirit be upon those small groups, Lord. In meekness, allow them to lead and to, to draw lost people to get to know you. And, and to, to discover just how good your word really is. Um, we love you so much. Uh, we, can never, we can never say that enough, Lord. We love you and we're thankful for you. We ask that you bless our time together in fellowship and in, and in, and in food. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.